Right on. Okay, go ahead and bust out your Bibles, your uh, tablets or cell phones or anything like that that you have. Um, I read a statistic this week um, that Noah movie came out and um, whatever, it got bad reviews and stuff like that um, and biblically not accurate. Um, But what's interesting is um, the second most downloaded app on on the Apple store or whatever, Android devices, whatever, um, is the Bible app. And uh, what they were, what they found was interesting was that the story of Noah uh, was up 300% in reading um, in the last two weeks since the Noah movie came out. So whether they made a bad movie or not, it still got people to read the word. So I guess if we put out bad movies, that's fine. So interesting how you can like, you know, nowadays track that kind of stuff. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. But we're jumping into a series. This is actually part two from last week. We kind of had a to be continued. Um, but we started a series uh, last week called I Am. And Jesus mentions in scriptures multiple times different things that he says, I am. And he's not making it as a statement like, oh, you should know this, that I'm this because I'm awesome. When he makes a statement about a characteristic of his, it's because we have access to those as attributes. So when he says, I'm the light of the world, it's because that means something to you. That, that, that's a benefit to you that he's the light of the world. Or like last week, we, we started talking about, and we'll talk about it more now. When he says, I am the good shepherd, that's more than just a statement. That's a provision for our lives. That's an access that we have as a characteristic that Jesus is. And so we'll continue to look at it here a little bit more. Um, but this specifically next week, as we again head into Easter, and I'm not trying to really beat this, but um, really important. We feel really, really excited about next week because our sermon on Easter um, is going to be it's going to be really good for everybody. Uh, but we really feel like specifically it's going to help. It's going to help a lot of people. And I think a lot of times we say, well, Easter or West Michigan, we have a lot of churches and people already go to church or know the Bible or whatever. And that's true. But um, the statistic I was reading this week is actually the third largest mission field in the world. So when you talk about raising up missionaries, you say like, oh, we're going to raise up missionaries and we're going to send them to China because they need to hear the word of the Lord because, you know, there's not there's a population over there. So you think of China and you think of India and those are actually the top two but the third largest demographic of unchurched people as a country is actually now the United States. There's over 235 million people in the United States that are decidedly unchurched. So if you're going to raise up missionaries and send them somewhere, the third place that you should send them is actually the United States. So when we say, oh, you know, people get it, they understand, they grew up in church, we're a Christian country, whatever, I I disagree. We need to start looking at things a little differently. Um, There's a harvest field here, even in our community, of people that need to be touched and connected. Somebody say amen. So let's not just let Easter be something that we do. Um, Let's just really believe as we pray this week and as we kind of go into our week that um, God can do something with our community and people that we come in contact with. Amen? So here's what we're going to do that's unfair. I'm going to like fast forward through a little bit of last week's sermon to kind of catch you up if you weren't here. So we started a sermon last week um, talking about I am the good shepherd. So I'll do a little bit of review and then we'll finish it off with part two and, um, and then we'll be, we'll be good. So bust out your notepads and your pens and, uh, and take some good notes because I'll probably go really fast um, and then hopefully you can keep up. So Psalm 23 verse 1 is the famous scripture that we're going to take a look at, and I broke it down a little bit. Um, So just hang with me because, again, it's review. But in verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. 
And so right there uh, is already a, a solid point that when the Lord is your shepherd, when God is your savior, when you have your eyes on God, um, that's enough. That's enough for us to be grateful. Uh, a lot of times in this consumerism America that we live in, uh, everything that's advertised to us is, oh, the next best thing. If you upgrade to this, if, you, the, the, if only you get to the next thing, then you'll be happy. But when our eyes are fixed on God, that in itself can be enough. Somebody say amen. So we lack nothing when we have God. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet, beside quiet waters. And uh, it says it makes, he makes me lie down in green pastures. So there's a time in your life as a Christian or as a follower of Christ that literally as our shepherd, God instructs us to, hey, you're, can, you should be content there. You can be grateful in that place. The pastures that you're in now is enough for you. And a lot of times, like I just mentioned again, we're looking for the next best thing. We're looking for the next best thing. And so he's saying, hey, you're, you're okay here. What you have, there's something for you in the season that you're in. And a lot of times we have that destination disease. We don't even look at the green pastures that we're in. We're looking at the next green pasture. What's the next thing? And so he's saying, hey, we'll cause you to lay down here because what, what's here for you now is good enough. And then it says, um, he, he leads me besides quiet waters because there's seasons in our life where we have to, just as Jesus said, uh, I've gone, you know, Jesus said, I went on ahead, or, or he would take moments where he would be in quiet or in rest, uh, because it's important for us, again, especially in America, that we get to a place where it's quiet, where we can be along the quiet waters, where we can hear God. You know, everybody says, well, uh, why, why does God whisper? You know, we always talk about, oh, God, you know, he whispers. Uh, he whispers sometimes to you because, one, it proves that he's near. You know, sometimes when he, the, the calmness and the quietness and he's near. And then the other part of it is uh, when the whispers and the quietness is because to get rid of all those distractions, to get rid of all those distractions of life, um, that's why he does that. And then in verse 3, it says, he refreshes my soul. Thank God. He refreshes my soul, which also means we can get, we can get burnt out. He understands that. We can get burnt out. We have a place that we can run to and he'll refresh your soul says, he guides me along the right paths, this is interesting, for his name's sake. A lot of times in our walk with God, we, we love to walk with God, we love to, to follow in his steps, but we take a lot of credit for it. So it says that he leads us in paths of righteousness for his glory. And a lot of times we'll walk with God and he'll lead us and direct us and promote us, and we'll try to take the glory. But as the good shepherd, he leads us for his name's sake. Verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We talked about last week how um, that comfort idea of his rod and staff, that's how a shepherd would direct and kind of keep things in order. And so kind of nudge and direct and kind of keep things all in order. And um, it's almost like a correctional tool. It was a guidance thing. And uh, a lot of times in our life, we, we don't like the correction. We don't like the, uh, the being put back on the path or kept in a certain order. Um, but what's interesting is subconsciously, you actually do like boundaries. You actually do like parameters. They did a study um, with some kids on a playground, and uh, they put one group of kids, or they put a group of kids out on a playground, and it had no perimeter fence. So it was just this wide open space, and it had, you know, the, um, all the toys and everything out there. And uh, so they put the kids out there, and the kids actually all stayed congregated in the middle. They didn't travel as far as or cover as much distance 
when there wasn't a parameter or a sense of boundaries than when they took the same kids and put them on a same style playground, but it had a fence around it. And then those kids, they played all over the place. They went to the furthest degree and they were up against the fence and they went all over the place. Um, Because there is something to be said about the safety of accountability. Somebody say amen. And uh, I think that there is comfort. And I know there is in my life, there's comfort when you know that there's truth parameters and that there's wisdom and that there's things that you uh, sort of submit your life unto. Somebody say amen. So that's what that rod and the staff, it brings comfort to your life that, that your shepherd is shepherding you or keeping you in place. Um, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, which is awesome. And so this scripture and John three sixteen are one of the most famous, you know, read scriptures in all of the Bible. And um, to look at it in its right context, the Jewish mind who would read this and spend time, um, they taught in parable or they taught in picture is another phrase that we would say. So when Jesus would say the kingdom of God is like, and then he would mention something, they wouldn't just hear it as a statement. They would dissect it. They would, they would start to look at, okay, he mentioned this, and that's a characteristic of this. And so they would tear everything down to the most that they could. And so same thing here. When, when this writer, which is David, uh, who we all know as a shepherd, um, when this is thrown out, they're not just reading it as a, they're starting to say, okay, if he's mentioning sheep and shepherds, then we need to study a shepherd and we need to understand sheep because if we understand all of these things, then we'll get the weight of all of this scripture. And that's actually what we're going to do this morning is uh, as this psalm was written by a shepherd, we're going to look at all of the value in shepherding and being sheep. Um, We all know that uh, the scripture calls every believer or Christ follower a sheep. Uh, You know, he said in scripture, he said, feed my lambs. And he said, you know, take care of my sheep. And, uh, and so we're, we're sheep, we're followers. John 10, 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. What I'm thankful about is that we have a God that wants that back and forth relationship. He said, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Not, I know my sheep and I'm a big angry God and I want nothing to do with them. They stay down there. I'll throw lightning bolts. No, God wants to be in relationship with us and a part of our everyday life. Somebody say amen. And so I love that, that our shepherd is someone who wants to be involved in a part of our lives and take care and nurture. Um, I was actually thinking of this sermon uh, last night. I have a golden retriever who's five years old uh, or six. Is he six coming up? Uh, Anyway. He's, he's, uh, he's a very old-natured dog because he's a golden retriever. And, um, and so that's why I love him because we're kind of the same. Um, I'm 31, but I'm very much an old-natured guy. Um, I like late-night talk show hosts, guys. Um, my world is falling apart with Letterman leaving and everybody. All this stuff is like, pray for me. Um, but, anyway, but anyway, so uh, my golden retriever fits my life perfectly is what I'm trying to say. And... Um, What's interesting is so funny about a dog, he gets scared of thunderstorms. So last night, of course, uh, we get here very early in the morning, uh, Jess and I, uh, we get here probably, I think it was like six o'clock this morning. Um, but anyway, so we get up and get, so anyway, Saturday night sleep is pretty valuable. And then when my boy, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is contending for the race last night, I had to stay up late for that. And then, uh, and then anyway, so didn't have much sleep as it was. Well, then it starts thundering last night. And so right away, that doesn't mean that he like comes and sits by the bed, uh, scared of the thunder. 
that means he comes and sits on your head and, uh, and he's whimpering. And then, of course, our daughter could wake up because he's making noise. And like all dogs do, when they're scared and nervous, they, they drool. So now he's on your head and he's drooling. And um, I'm shepherding him. I'm like, hey. And I shove him off the bed, you know, like a, and, uh, and so you're hitting him and you're, no, I'm not, I'm not hitting him. I wouldn't do that. But so anyway, and so I was thinking of this concept of shepherding truthfully about the story is I heard the thunder. Actually, it was lightning and then the thunder. And as the shepherd of my golden retriever, you know what I thought? Here comes my dog. I just know his characteristic that he's going to be up on the bed. So before it even happens, I know. Same thing with our good shepherd. Before in your life it even happens or you have the emotions of it or whatever happens in your life, God knows. And it says that I'm the shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And I think where we miss it is that we forget that he knows and that he's ready to receive you. I was ready to receive my golden retreat. I was like, all right, come on up to the bed. And I'm making room with my pillow for him to, okay. Why? Because I know him and he knows me that he's going to be allowed on the bed and whimper and sleep. And we're going to, he knows. And that's what this is talking about is our God here, our shepherd knows when you struggle or when you hit rock bottom or whatever. And so all of this about he refreshes our soul and leads us in green pastures and quiet place. All of those things are what? They're the antidote or they're the answer to the storm and the thunder and the things that you're going through. All of those things are the need met for all of those. Somebody say amen. So John 10, 14, God knows, he knows, our shepherd knows where we're at in every stage of our life because he just sees so much more than us. So every thought, every worry, every pressure, every burden, every tribulation, every shortcoming, everything in our life, God knows and he sees and he cares about it. And uh, ultimately, that's why he laid down his life for us. This week, as we talk about Easter and Jesus dying on the cross, he laid down his life for us. The scripture, we get that twisted a lot. We think, well, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that, so that what? So that us, so that we. Scripture says that he was wounded for our transgressions, our iniquities. You got to remember, God could have set anything in order any way that he wanted. The benefits of the cross are for us. He was God. He could have done anything all throughout scripture. You say, don't you know that I could have called down angels? Don't you know that I could have done this and this? All of that wasn't for his gain, even though gaining us was a gain for him. It was for our gain. He was wounded for our transgression. He laid down as a shepherd his life for us. And that's what 1 Peter 2.24 says. It says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. What I love about this verse we said last week is that we might die to sins, but then it says, and live for righteousness. So everything that happened on the cross was more than just going to heaven. Yes, it was that your sins are forgiven, but it's that while you're here on earth, you can live for righteousness and live a, a God experience kind of life. Somebody say amen. Are you with me? <laughs> Isaiah 56, Isaiah 53, 6. We talked about this last week. It says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. So we know on Jesus, all of our sins, all of the ways that we've messed up and that we've been short um, all of those were laid on Jesus and dealt with on the cross. But it says, all of us have gone astray. And I talked about last week how my brother, uh, he's two years younger than me. He was returning a tux uh, in Holland. And um, he was going, this is when we had Nextel, Direct Connect. 
and uh, he was going the wrong way on a one-way road. So he had gone astray, just like the scripture says. And he had, he's going the wrong way, and he's direct connecting me while he's driving. So, man, these people in Holland are crazy. They're like waving at me and acting crazy. And he eventually got pulled over. And uh, they said, do you know what you're doing? He said, I'm not speeding. I don't know what, you know, what's your problem. And, well, you're going the wrong way on a one way. You've gone astray. And uh, we do that a lot. Our pride of life will be astray. Uh, our finances or our relationships or our thinking or our habits will go astray. And we'll be kind of like my brother. No, I'm fine. Everyone else is crazy. I'm doing the right thing. And we won't admit that we've gone astray and that we need direction. And uh, that's what the scripture is saying. Because we've all gone astray. Jesus has made a way for us to be able to get back on paths of righteousness and walk with him. Somebody say, got it. So just like my brother, you just have to admit that you're lost. There's two things we have to do when we've gone astray and relying on the shepherd is two things. One, you have to admit that you need help. And number two, you have to allow that help to be a part of your life. It doesn't do any good to say, oh, I've gone astray. I need help, but then not do anything with it. You know, whatever the answer, whatever, you know, your thing is to move forward, you have to allow that. And that's the hard part is you receive wisdom and counsel and you put that into a part of your life. I mean, you know, we all make plans. It's what we all do at the beginning of the year. Oh, I'm going to do better at this. I'm going to do better at this. But you don't allow that to become a part of your life and you stay astray. And um, the scripture says that that's what the word is for. The, the scripture and coming here at, and coming to church and, and gathering together like this. That's why we do these things is because the word says that the word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. It directs us in where we should go. So three things I'm going to give you before we close. This is part two right here. I made, made it through that pretty quickly. Three things, and some of these are a little funny, but these are really good truths. Uh, I studied out some things about sheep, and uh, I want you to write these down and think about them for your life and how they apply to you. Three things about sheep. Number one is sheep must have leadership in their life. Sheep must have leadership in their life. Uh, a problem that we have in culture today is that everything is I. You got your iPod, your iPad, all your own individual playlist. You can customize everything specifically to be by yourself. You can totally isolate yourself into any level that you want to be, and then this happens. You don't have leadership in your life. You don't submit to anybody. You don't have any kind of counsel or wisdom in your life. And so you've gone astray out on this island of your own because we're iPod, we're iCustom, everything. And so sheep must have leadership in your life. And so for us, um, we have to have people that we can be held accountable to, that you have to share truth with, that you have to say, hey, here's some things I'm struggling with. Here's some things that I'm believing God for. Here's some things that this and this. Why? Because leadership and people, they, they help elevate you. Um, sheep are one of the few animals that do not have a self-defense. They were not made to live alone. Sheep can't run fast. They can't climb trees. They're not like a porcupine with like a defense or uh, they don't have a smell or a venom uh, or claws or anything like that. They don't have a defense system. And uh, Jesus said, or in the beginning of Genesis, the very first thing that God said was not good. So he says, trees, good, water, good, all these things, good. The first thing in scripture mentioned is not good is when he said man was alone. So oh, all that stuff's good. Ooh, man's alone. That's not good. So just like sheep, it's not good if we're alone. These sheep, it's not good if they're alone. They need leadership in their life. Why? Because they're not meant to live alone because they don't have a defense system. They need a shepherd. So do we. In our lives, we need people pushing us and elevating us and shepherding us. Somebody say, that's good. So number one, Sheep must have leadership. Uh, number two, 
Sheep are born to be movers and producers. I learned a lot about this, uh, and so I'm just going to give it to you, and some of it's crazy, but sheep, number two, are born to be movers and producers. That means you are too. That means that you are born as if you're called a sheep or you're called a sheep, you're a mover and a producer. Um, we need, sheep need to be on the move. Uh, sometimes herds can be up to 10,000 herd of sheep at a time. That's a huge group, and they always need to be moving. Uh, a misconception about sheep is that they're content anywhere, uh, but they actually have to keep moving and moving, and the, that's what the shepherd does, is nudges them and leads them on to better places because they need to be moving and active, and it's the same thing in our life and our walk with God and when we come to church and when we're involved in the things of God. We can't let ourselves get stale and stagnant in the same old traditions or the same old way that we always do it or we serve this. No, we got to be involved. we got to be trying different things. we got to be serving in different areas and reaching our community. Somebody say amen. God wants to lead us and upgrade us. Uh, God wants us to produce many things. Uh, some of this is funny and some of this is gross, but I'm just going to share it with you anyway. Uh, here's some things that sheep produce because God wants us to be producers. Uh, he called us to be fruitful. Somebody say amen. So we got to produce. We got to be fruitful. And so uh, here's some things we'll just call her Betsy, the sheep Betsy. A sheep has the ability to produce eight pounds of wool a year. Just one sheep has the ability to produce eight pounds of wool a year. One pound uh, is 10 miles of yarn. So, ten, so if they can do eight pounds, one pound is 10 miles of yarn. That's a lot that one sheep can produce. Uh, the hide and the wool of sheep produce all of these things. They can be found in baseballs, clothing, tennis balls, insulation, carpet, drum heads, upholstery, luggage, and glue. So that's just from their hide and wool. They can produce all of those things. Uh, the fats of their body uh, produce some of these things. This is where it gets fun. Uh, here's some of the things they produce. Fats of their body is in medicine. It's in the gum that you're eating right now. So you're eating Betsy right now, just so you know. It's in crayons. So your kids are just smearing Betsy all over the house. Uh, it's in the makeup that you're wearing right now. Uh, dog food, hand soap, shampoo, conditioner, tires, antifreeze. Uh, it's all it's the fats of their body all produce all those things. Uh, their bones and their hooves and their horns. This is gross, and this will ruin your summer. Uh, their bones and their hooves and their horns uh, can be found in marshmallows. So, s'more it up. Google it. Google it. S'more it. So this, uh, yeah. Yeah, not Wikipedia, I promise. Your combs, like your combs, a lot of the what plastic type stuff is in combs, toothbrushes, syringes, uh, bandages, tennis rackets. Um, and so sheep, they produce. They just have ways of producing all different kinds of things. And like I said, God has called us to be fruitful and to... And to to have um, results. And I think as we're walking in the things of God, we should be seeing things grow in our life, healthy things grow. Somebody say amen. And so I think anytime we get caught up in the lie of, well, I've done enough or, well, you know, I need to just stay here. And there's seasons of sort of recovery or whatever, but a walk with God and being led by our shepherd is one that causes us to produce and do more. There's this saying um, that comes with, um, sheep. It's called getting cast. And it's actually, a, and I'm kind of running out of time, but it's a really embarrassing thing. Um, when a sheep 
isn't moving and isn't active, it gets this thing called cast. And um, they become high-centered or crampy, and they actually flip over on their back. Again, you can look it up online. And their feet are up in their air, and they're actually making this terrible scream. And it's called they're being cast. They flipped over and they're cast. And um, they're screaming, and it's just this really pathetic sight. And um, it's, it's being high center or cast. And then David wrote this in Psalm. Check this out, 4211. He said, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Was that a correlation to was he feeling cast? Was he feeling like in his life he just got flipped upside down and he was in this groan of, I'm so disturbed. I'm so, why? Because he hadn't been moving in the things of God. Uh, And then he says here, I'm going to put my hope in God. I will praise him, my Savior, my God. That's our reaction to sort of when we get stale and stagnant is that um, we need to put our hope and trust in God, our shepherd, that he's leading us in the right direction. Amen? I'll close with this. This will be my last point here. Number three. Sheep are ready to stand in the face of the enemy. The scripture said in, in, in Psalm 23 there um, that he, he'll cause us to stand in the presence of our enemy or he'll prepare a place in the presence of our enemy. Um, I thought about this. On their way to where they were going with their shepherd, um, they would face their enemies. So they're moving this whole herd and they're producing and they're going forward. And uh, whether, you know, I don't know exactly, but the scripture mentions lions and bears and different things that would would come against the flock. If the shepherd had the herd gathered, so check out this point. If he could keep them in unity, somebody say amen, pick up what I'm saying. If he could keep the group in unity, moving in the same direction, they would be okay facing an enemy. They would be okay. They would be at peace heading into a challenge or an obstacle. And so in the presence of their enemy, they were able to move forward into what God called them to do, but only if they could stay together. Um, I love this. The scripture says that he's prepared a place. I love this. It says uh, the shadows in the shadows, whether we walk through the shadows, God is with us. Here's the thing. And I'm just totally running out of time, but I'll give you this. Um, Here's the thing. Shadows aren't real. You've never heard somebody check into the hospital because they got hit by the shadow of a bus, right? The enemy loves to throw shadows at us of the enemy or the valley or what we're about to walk into. But the shadows don't matter. We have to stay in unity, trusting our good shepherd and moving forward into the things that he has for us. Somebody say amen. amen. Why don't you stand up and we'll pray. I know I rushed that a little bit there, but... I couldn't make it part three. (laughs) Um, So I hope you took a lot of notes to dig into that. Um, But I want you to catch that last point there, especially as we go forward. You can be in the presence of your enemy. Uh, Scripture says that he prepared a place for us in the presence of our enemy. There's something to harvest. You can actually harvest. You can actually gain even when you're facing an enemy. Um, But it's important for us to be together, to walk in unity, to be on the same page. And I think as we go forward this week, let's be praying for the unity of the church, all the churches, not just vertical, but, but all of our churches, that, that God just does something incredible at Easter. You know, I'm kind of sick of the, uh, the bad pub that the church is getting, you know, on some of it rightfully so or whatever, but I would just love to see 
the church, the body of Christ. Do something incredible this Easter season and see some lives changed. Amen. So let's do it in unity. Let's pray for our brother and sister. Let's just encourage one another, invite each other and believe the best as we head into Easter. Because if we can stay together moving forward into the things that God has following our good shepherd, I think big things can happen. Amen. Let me pray for you and then we'll, we'll, we'll head out. God, we love you so much. We thank you for who you are. God, we know that you're our good shepherd. We know that you know us. And Lord, we want to get to know you more. So reveal yourself to us. Lead us, guide us, direct us. Lord, just be with us this week as we, as we observe uh, not only today, Palm Sunday, but Good Friday and just this week, uh, Lord, Passover, everything that um, comes together with you going to the cross. Um, Lord, we, we, all of it, Lord, it's a whole year event. Uh, but God, we, we just really focus on your son and what he did on the cross. And Lord, the power that is in that and the victory that is in that, that we can access this week. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.